0: Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me tonight Sir Michael. Hello. And myself. Dingathy. Hello. We're a book club for games. And today we are. Today we're going to talk about. Cyberpunk
1: 2077. Will there be spoilers? There will be spoilers. This is the part two which is full of spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. You have been warned. Everything will be spoiled. Okay. Even Ting, because he hasn't finished the game.
0: So let's start with how far we got then. I played, well, I didn't finish the game, obviously. I played 22 hours. I got to level 12. And I got a street cred of level 12. Is that right? Is that how they, is that the right terminology?
1: I think that seems reasonable. Yeah, I don't know. Is street cred leveled in levels? Probably. (laughs) So I, by contrast, did finish the game. Played about 60 hours. Saw all the major endings. My final level was 30 and my street cred was 49. So we all
0: go through our memorable moments. So I'll start with my playthrough. I'm also in the UK, away from my PC. Unlike Mike though, my laptop can't take it. So I've had to make use of GeForce now. GeForce Now, the NVIDIA streaming thingy. It's totally incredible that a free service can let you play Cyberpunk 2077. So, what res is it? Like 1080p?
1: Yeah, it's 1080p. And are you getting like 60 frames per second? I don't know. I mean, you, you're probably getting more than me though because, I mean, yeah, I'm playing it on a laptop. So, it wouldn't surprise me if you had better performance. Does it have ray tracing? No, because I didn't upgrade to the, the founder's
0: edition and the other reason for wanting to upgrade is to not have to queue but the queue just went down really quickly so it, i would be queuing like at 290 but it'll go after two minutes i guess that's not too bad so by the time i tried to pay the queue cleared you know if i was like <laughs> google or facebook i would make sure that if the payment screen was up and i was about to pay i better not
1: end. it just didn't clear <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's nice though, that they don't, you know, have these dark patterns in design. So good on them. I mean that sounds great though. I can imagine it being really convenient. Like I guess if you've got the bandwidth, it probably is a really good way to play. I mean the the place I'm staying in the UK, the bandwidth is shocking. Like, I don't think I don't think I even get 10 megabits per second download on the Wi-Fi, so I definitely could not stream it. But it sounds like it's working really well for you.
0: Do you have any update on your setup, how it went?
1: Uh, I mean, we're on version 1.12 now, I think. They actually have fixed quite a lot of bugs. Like, the audio crackling issue just seems to be fixed now. I haven't had any audio crackling since the most recent version, so... Yeah, many bugs fixed. I mean, a lot of bugs are still in there, but, you know, the more annoying ones seem to have been sorted. All right, and then how did we play then? What are the other key points or highlights from our playthroughs? So I wanted to start off with all the
0: mechanics that we didn't engage with. So for instance, there were a lot of logs. And I... I made a decision really early on not to read
1: them all. Do, do you ever read the logs in these games? Like, in Bioshock, do you, like, collect the audio logs and listen to them, for example? Audio logs is easy, right? You're just playing them and... I guess. Yeah, I suppose they're less disruptive.
0: I read the Prey logs, because Prey, Prey's world building was good.
1: So, So it feels like you're saying Cyberpunk's world building is bad by comparison? I mean... In Cyberpunk, you have spam in the game. Yeah, it's true. I suppose you could just be like reading a spam email about penis enlargement and it's just like, why am I doing this? I wouldn't read this if it was sent to my real email. Why am I reading it in-game? Yeah, you do have a point there. But I read every log. Like, if I saw a log, I made a point of going and reading it. Sometimes I didn't actually really read it. I just open it, look at it. And think, you know, this isn't interesting and close it. But if I ever saw the icon for a log, I would go over there and read it. So I went over there and picked it up in case there was
0: an achievement for it, but I never read it. <laughs>
1: because there, in case there was an achievement for it. But This really, this really actually highlights the difference in our play styles. Okay. Good. There's no achievement to my knowledge.
0: Okay. A couple of things I didn't bother with were crafting and augmentations.
1: So I didn't bother with crafting either, but not bothering with augmentations? That's crazy talk. Like, you, you didn't do anything. I got the freebies, and that was it. Yikes. I mean, I didn't have that many, but I did use them. Like, I upgraded my cyber deck. I put in the skeleton enhancements so I could carry more, and the body thing to increase my health the subdermal armor and made myself fireproof like i i did the basic stuff i i did very briefly try some of the other things like i i had a Sandvastan or sandverstand i don't even know how to say it the mods that slow down time so i found what i found i like i found these mods in the bin somewhere like when i was just looting something i tried installing them but i didn't like it so i switched them back i i just tried them for like one mission and i I never actually really tried gorilla arms or mantis blades or the mono wire and stuff like that i i didn't try those another thing i wanted to ask about is the music no i think the music was good but like was it memorable like i'm trying to think of the particular tunes that stick in my head like i think i think some of the characters must have themes or like leitmotif or something you know like there's a few things that I kind of remember but like I couldn't hum them to you. It's more like if it came up in the game I'd be like, "Oh yeah, that song." And then like the the radio on the vehicles, like again, I remember it being okay and I remember you know, sometimes I would actually change the radio station cuz I didn't like it. But I couldn't tell you anything that I thought was really good. Same. I had
0: high expectations for the radio. So I expected it to be something like GTA for some reason. I thought they would hand-select a futuristic original soundtrack.
1: Well, I think they they do. I, like, you know, I remember changing the radio station to some like synthwave, you know, ambient station. So, so I, you know, I remember there's something like that that's quite good. In GTA, I used to like the talk radio. I didn't really notice a talk radio station in this. But then again, I didn't actually look that hard. Because I didn't I didn't drive around the city for fun. You know, like, I would drive places when I had to drive somewhere because I didn't have a fast travel point. But if there was a fast travel point near where I wanted to go, I just fast travelled. I wouldn't I wouldn't drive there just because. I drove around everywhere. Because I really wanted it to be GTA. <laughs> I think maybe the driving's more fun if you've got a higher performance machine. Because, I don't know, I've, I found... My frame rate wasn't great during the driving and it made it hard to control. Although, I mean, we've talked about this before, I think the cars just don't control very well. At least when you're playing mouse and keyboard. I was on the motorbike. Yeah, the, the motorbikes are better, for sure. Though, I mean, I started driving around, I, you haven't got this far, I started driving around in Johnny Silverhand's Porsche 911, just for swag, but it was much harder to use than the motorbike, I should have just stuck with the motorbike.
0: And then I wanted to ask you about one of the, like, a a set of side missions.
1: This is a side mission that got a lot of press, right? Because it was also in the preview vids for the game. This mission chain you want to talk about is, what, Beat on the Brat? Uh, Yeah, that's the one. And I think it's, like, basically, like the first mission you get, pretty much, because the quest giver for it is, like, outside your apartment. It's like, you step out your apartment, and you get this mission, pretty much. Basically, you're given the task of winning a bunch of fist fights.
0: When I first came across this, I thought, ugh, this may not be my game.
1: Because that fist fight is really hard. Oh, you're right, because there's, like, a preamble to it, isn't it? You've got to fight this robot. Like, a sparring robot. Mm, Yep. I mean, I I won that first fight really easily. I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be easy. Spoiler, it wasn't. Th- so did you engage with this mission?
0: Yeah, I, for some reason, I suddenly decided I can beat this. T- did you beat it? Oh,
1: yeah, I beat it, yeah. <laughs> what? Not the whole thing? No, 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 just the first one with the twins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. I didn't even beat the first one with the twins. I. So the thing is, like, the... You're given like a whole bunch of these missions because you've got to fight through these like lower tier people and then you get access to fight the champion. Like, that's the idea. And missions in Cyberpunk, they're given a difficulty rating. So I think all of them were like difficulty high or very high, apart from the Beat on the Brat Kabuki District one, which was moderate when I first tried it. And yeah, you've got to fight the twins in Inverted Comics. Actually, I guess they are twins. They were like twin brothers and then they installed, what was it, neural oscillators or something to become one person, which is how they're blatantly breaking the rules and claiming to be one person, but there's actually like two of them. It's like two on one fight. But I was so overconfident after beating down that android that I was like, yeah, let's make it interesting. I'm upping the bet. And then I lost. Like I was resoundingly thrashed. You you upped the bet and then you reloaded the game? Uh, Of course I reloaded the game. I can't afford to lose that money. It is like right at the start of the game. I was poor. I came back several times as the game progressed, including just before finishing the game. So I was like level 29 or 30. I still lost. Like, I didn't lose as badly, but I still lost. I, I probably could have won the fight if I'd specked into it or got gorilla arms or something. But I didn't want to use all of my perk points on that. I was just hoarding them. I had like I had like 12 perk points I hadn't spent. But I didn't want to use them on unarmed combat because I didn't think I was ever going to use unarmed combat again. Maybe it's easy if you built your character correctly but I, I did think it was funny that the threat level said very low and I still lost. I guess also I do have the game difficulty set to hard as well. So that probably didn't help for me. I'll accept that. That's a fair excuse. Alright, so some other things about our playthroughs, I guess. Did we talk about the life paths last time? Maybe in passing? Did we both pick Corpo? I think so. Yeah, we're both corporate shills. It's the closest to our real lives. Unfortunately, yeah. What really shocked me was how short the origin story was. It's like, what, 20 minutes or something? It's like, it's really short. Have you confirmed this? Well, I mean, the Corpo one certainly is really short. But I I don't think any of the others are any longer. So the dialogue
0: is slightly different then, depending on your origin path?
1: I I think your origin path, it gives you unique conversation options later in the game. Like, you know, there have definitely been times when I've been talking to someone and then there's been a conversation option that said Corpo. So I imagine that if I, you know, if you pick Nomad or Street Kid, you get equivalent options in other situations. But yeah, it shocked me how short the origin story was and how little impact it actually had on the game. It's basically just it's just a mechanic to introduce you to Jackie somehow. So everyone else can actually start the game proper from the same point, which is to say you had a life, it all went sideways, you met Jackie and well, in the case of the corporate one you basically get made redundant right you lose your job you get a huge wad of cash which was originally supposed to be for the assassination but whatever you keep it and then you've got to make a new life for yourself with that so many parallels you're just waiting to meet jackie now <laughs> To my real life yeah apart apart from the murder that's not why i was let go it would be way more interesting if it was can you imagine here you've written
0: down another game with a very long tutorial
1: oh well after the life path bit it's really cool the cinematic after the life path bit right where you know when it's just showing you the six mo- basically the six month time skip where you and jackie become besties that sequence was really cool cuz it's all in engine and it's just like bang, bang 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 you know it's cutting between different scenes seamless it's it's so well done but, yeah, at that point, you're then in the game proper-ish. Well, no, actually, no, at that point, you think you're in the game proper, because you finished the life path, which you would think is the tutorial. But the game doesn't really start until you finish the relic heist. You know, like the whole next seven to eight hours, which is basically what you've got to do until you steal the relic, is actually also tutorial, really.
0: It's crazy considering how long the game is if you mainline it.
1: Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like, it's meant because I think when you finish the Relic Heist, that's when you get the title screen, you know, it like goes, boom, Cyberpunk 2077. And yeah, if you're mainlining the story, that's like halfway through the game by hours played. And honestly, the game is not good until after the Relic Heist, like that first seven or eight hours was just confusing and frustrating and kind of not fun. Because you don't know what kind of game it's meant to be. I I was also just like, where's Keanu Reeves? I was expecting Keanu. But he literally doesn't show up until after the Relic Heist. The, The game gets much better after that point, though. Or at least I felt so.
0: Yeah,
1: you need to sort of get into a rhythm. And then there's the main story which you can mainline and is really short. I think, maybe 15 to 20 hours total playtime if you just do the main quests. So, you know, that's why I'm getting this half of it is going to be the prologue. And then the side quests, highly variable. Some of them are really good. And some of them are just, like, fetch quests. I mean, I'm not even talking about, like, the gigs, right? Because there are gigs and there are, like, police scanner missions and stuff, which are... Relatively simple, but like some of the actual named side quests as well were just they they weren't much more than the gigs, but some of them were great. Was looking for the tarot cards a a major one or a minor one? It's uh, it's hard to say actually because that one's just kind of threaded through everything else. It's it's not really like an active quest. You've got when well, you can actively pursue the completion of it, but. You kind of end up just doing it as you go along. Or at least I did for most of them.
0: I think I needed that excuse to explore the city. It really made a difference.
1: Yeah, it is nice to have that reason to, to look around. And, you know, and actively take you to different parts of the city. Because the city is so cool. And different bits of the city do look really different. I like the tarot card theming as a whole as well. Like Misty as a character... You know, have you, did you ever get a tarot card reading from her? Yeah, I did. And then I think there are major plot moments where she does a reading as well. So, like, certainly just before you go on the final mission, she does a reading for you. And then in the in the epilogue, in, the, like, the credits, she'll also do a reading. You know, she'll say, oh, I did a reading for you, and I got... Well, you know, sometimes they're really good, sometimes it's really bad. The card she turned over, and obviously that's kind of indicating... Well, you know, it's quite prophetic. It basically is describing how your ending went. Did you have any other missions, moments, you thought were particularly noteworthy? No. I
0: mean, we can go on, and then I'll jump on yours. (laughs) Okay.
1: I I don't know how many of these you're going to have done. There's one I mentioned last time, it's the one that Judy, you know, where Judy introduces you to these people, like behind the scenes, you find it out that's like good world building. It's basically the mayor of Night City has died and there's an election for the new mayor and you are hired by one of the mayoral candidates to investigate, well, the death of the previous mayor and also some weird business going on in their residents so the guy for example saw someone an intruder in their house and shot at them and then woke up in their bed and then they were just being gaslighted by their private security they were like oh no there wasn't anyone in the house you didn't shoot your gun you know you you just were tired and you went to bed but then like they call up you to investigate and you find yeah there's been like a there's a bullet hole in the wall and they've patched it up and then you find like a security room that they don't know about in their own home And it's kind of implied that an AI is manipulating them. You know, they've got like some weird radio wave tech that's just altering their memories or messing with their brains. And the AI is actually trying to control this mayoral candidate. That was quite a fun mission. Like the detective aspects of it. There's all of the romance plot mission threads. Like even if you are the wrong gender or whatever to romance that character, their side mission storylines are actually really quite good. Did you did you pursue a, a romance? I was just, as a completionist, yeah, I was just doing all of them. All right, you can do all of them? Yeah, you can just do... I mean, so, if you are a male V with a male voice, which is the one I was playing as, You can, well, the female option is Pan Am, and the male option is Kerry, Kerry Urodine. He's a former member of Samurai, which is Johnny Silverhand's band. So he must be older, actually. (laughs) For female V, the options are Judy, the braindance tech, or a guy called River, who's a detective. But, you know, even if you're the wrong gender, you can still do that character's story missions. You just don't get the romance option at the end. So they they were actually all well done and interesting mission threads and and fun. There was a completely batshit mission I remember where you're hired by someone to kill a guy. And you drive with this other guy to shoot this other guy who's... Basically there's like a, a criminal. He's like a murderer. But Instead of being executed, he's pardoned. And so this guy wants you to kill him to get justice for his dead wife. So you drive up to this guy and then there's a police escort with him who then shoots the guy who hired you because he was trying to shoot him. And then you find out that the reason he's not being executed is because he has agreed to be crucified in a brain dance recording. And you have to help you have to help him make a brain dance of him being crucified. It's like you literally just nail him to a cross.
0: What was that the craziest stroke
1: darkest thing in the game? I don't know, there's a lot of messed up stuff in this game. <laughs> but it was certainly memorable. A more fun one is I guess it's technically Johnny and Rogues romance storyline. You can give Johnny control of your body. So, you know, you pop this pill that lets Johnny take control. And Johnny just gets totally wrecked. Like, you know, he says, I want to talk to Rogue. Give me control of your body. I'm just going to talk to Rogue and I'll I'll give control back to you. So you pop the pill. And instead of talking to Rogue, he just gets trashed. He gets absolutely wasted. He's like talking to some hooker. He goes to a tattoo parlor and you hear him talking to the tattoo artist. And he's, you know, and he says, oh, he's going to love this when he sees it. And then when you later get control of your body and you're like puking and you have a terrible hangover. And then like I was trying to shoot my gun and I was like, why is why is my smart gun not being smart? And then I looked at my cyberware and my smart link targeting system had been replaced by a tattoo that just said J plus V forever. It's quite
0: clever. But is there more like, is it made more explicit or do you have to really know, We have to look for it and you'll find it there? What, what do you mean? Like if you weren't smart enough to connect the dots, would the ta- is the tattoo made obvious to you?
1: No, the tattoo's not made obvious to you at all. I was really surprised. <laughs> But, you you know, you see him in the tattoo parlor, and then there is a, a tattoo slot in the cyberware. So, obviously, yeah, my SmartLink targeting system was like a Tiger Claws tattoo, and it had been replaced. So, it was pretty obvious what had happened in hindsight. I don't know. Some nice Easter eggs. Meeting GLaDOS. Sort of. You found this one, right?
0: Yeah, this was surprising when I came across it. It makes sense. All these sort of—I mean, there's a series of these AI taxi missions. It was the right place to put it.
1: Yeah, this is a Delamain rogue taxi subquest, but basically, one of the taxi cabs is Glados from the Portal series—an out of control AI. I'm guessing you didn't find the Death Stranding Easter egg. I did not. Yeah, I mean, that's in the River series of missions. Main story-wise, did you get to the parade? No, I did not. Mm, That was a cool mission. It was just visually very striking. And then all of the ending missions were good, actually. All of the ending missions were, were actually really good. All how many missions? Uh, I, think, I think there's three major paths, because you can, you can take up Arasaka's offer, you can get the Aldocados and Panam to help you, or you can give control of your body to Johnny, and Johnny and Rogue will try and sort it out.
0: I guess we can talk about this in more detail in the next section.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about the story. Yeah, okay. The the story, very briefly... Is that a promise? (laughs) I'll try. You do your origin story. You meet Jackie. You become BFFs. You are hired to steal the relic from Arasaka. You do the heist. It all goes terribly wrong. You witness... The CEO of Arasaka Saburo being murdered by his son, Yorinobu. Jackie gets shot and dies. You put the relic in your head to stop it from breaking. And then you yourself get shot in the head and die. But the relic brings you back with Johnny Silverhand overwriting your mind. And then you've got to find a way to stop Johnny Silverhand overwriting your mind, which is basically. Act two. You do a bunch of stuff and discover Johnny's ex girlfriend, Alt Cunningham, was basically the greatest net runner of all time and has now become an AI. And she wrote this thing called Soul Killer, which is well, which is how people's minds are being uploaded anyway. So you make contact with her. She tells you you need to break into Mikoshi, which is where all of the you know mind uploads are being stored, and. With access to Mikoshi, she can help you. And then you choose your ending, where you get access to Mikoshi, and then it's the end. Was that short enough?
0: Oh yeah, that was short enough.
1: So, how did you feel about the story?
0: Where did where did you get to?
1: Uh,
0: recovering Evelyn and trying to figure out.
1: Hmm. You you did find Evelyn, right?
0: Yes, and then I had to rescue Brigitte, according to a summary. I didn't do that. Okay.
1: So, you know, you're maybe like halfway through act two. Uh, yep. Where
0: should we begin?
1: What is your overall impression of the story, I guess?
0: From what I saw, I was surprised by the by the scripted sequences they are really well done and I didn't expect them. I thought everything would be more emergent. Does that, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I guess it does. So I
0: don't know if that continues. It sounds like it continues from what we've G- talked. Yeah, it definitely continues. And I was surprised by the amount of narrative conversation. Maybe because I'm just forever comparing this to GTA.
1: But GTA's got a lot of Conversation. Oh, I suppose GTA's conversation is all confined to the cutscenes, and and you don't really choose what to say. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in this, you you definitely choose what to say. I mean, maybe a lot of it doesn't make that much difference to the plot, but you certainly get to say it.
0: I guess that illusion's always there, right? Whenever you have conversation choices, there's never any impact to the plot. Yeah. Even though I wanted it.
1: You think you know? You think it's a branching path, but actually, all the paths just collapse back to the same point. Very quickly. Too. So there's a part of that. Things that surprised me. I thought that V was going to be this badass merc. You know, like a what they call it, a solo. Right. I thought he was going to be this like, you know, the person you call when you need something sorted out, kind of character. And he would be stoic and cold, and well, it doesn't have to be cold, but you know, he would get stuff done. Right. And from the preview vids as well, I thought Keanu as Johnny Silverhand was going to be like this cool sidekick. Like he was in your head and he was telling you how to be even cooler, giving you like little tips about how to sort stuff out. But V is this like whinging brat. Like, v is so whiny. He's got like no resilience at all. He's like, oh, boo hoo. I've got Johnny Silverhand in my head and now I'm going to die. Which surprised me.
0: Yeah, and he panics. And I have no choice over that. I wish there was a choice about how I reacted to the trauma, to the drama.
1: Yeah, like all of the options are you just being like, I don't want to die, I need help. And Johnny Silverhand is just a massive jerk. Like Johnny Silverhand, not helpful at all. At least at the start of the game. You know, when you, when he's first in your head, he's literally... He's like an antagonist. He's like the villain. Like, you hate him, and he hates you. And he's just, like, randomly taking control of your body and screwing stuff up. And then... As the game goes on, V does become cooler and more stoic. And Johnny does become less antagonistic and more about helping you. And I... Was then thinking, oh, is this very clever writing? Like, is it actually that their personalities are merging? You know, V's becoming less whiny because he's, you know, some of Johnny Silverhand's cool has overwritten that part of his personality. And is Johnny Silverhand becoming less of a self-centered jerk because part of V's personality has infected him instead? But no, I don't think that's what happened at all in the end. I think it was just slightly wonky writing. because <laughs> it's, it's very kind of like binary, right? Like having played more of the ending and seen more of the story, like I think depending on how you choose your conversation options, Johnny can be very disapproving and antagonistic to you or Johnny can be very helpful. But it's really kind of like flip-flopping between them. It's not like a long running thing that's being tracked. It's more like if you pick this thing, Johnny will just say a really jerk line to you. And if you pick this other option, he'll be really helpful and supportive to you. I mean, I guess these things are hard to do, obviously. And, you know, the, you've got the problem of writing a story and then having someone deliver that voice line. And that itself is a hard thing to do. You know, like, is the delivery what the person who wrote it envisaged? and you're on a deadline, and maybe you can only record it once, and so you just got to use whatever they gave you.
0: And then there's the added dimension that it was written in Polish, and then translated
1: into English. Yeah, I mean, this blows my mind as well. I did not know this until you told me. And it makes perfect sense, because obviously it's a Polish studio. But, yeah, that that must make it even harder. How much is lost in translation?
0: Are we ready to talk about
1: the, the slang? What
0: were your thoughts on preem and choom and, and other words which I've not written down here?
1: I, I don't know what you want me to say here. Like, did I find it jarring? No. I think it's all part of world building. I, I thought I was, I was perfectly fine with it because characters consistently use these words and you know it's like have you read a clockwork orange no Okay, actually yeah I forgot you don't read fiction I mean that's another story that has just like bonkers slang but uses it very consistently I thought it was fine I mean preem is obviously premium I guess that made sense to me choom from context I guess is just like mate <laughs> like alright mate <laughs> Okay. What well, did you not like it? No. You you want the Queen's English? This.
0: No, there are some words which are just cool. In nature, by nature, and cyberpunk is meant to be cool.
1: These are not the words. They're, they're probably from the PNP game, though. Maybe. I mean, the other thing is right. If you're in like a medieval setting, then. You can naturally have people talk in ye olde English or something, and that seems kind of fitting. But if you've got a futuristic setting, it is hard because you have to invent futuristic talk. And who knows what that's going to be like? It's a hard problem because I'm sure if, if someone told me, oh, yeah, you've
0: got to figure out some cool slang for the future, uh, I would fail.
1: Yeah, you're being. right. Yeah. Come on, thing, invent a better word. Forget choom. What would you have instead? I'm putting you on the spot, this is really
0: hard. What words do I like? Perfect Excel. If I shorten them, they just sound terrible. Per X or Cell. That's Cell.
1: That's X. They they say that, they say that's perf, don't they? Oh no, wait, am I thinking of that TV advert with <laughs> like that that's perf with surf? Have you seen that? Sorry, this is British <laughs> TV. Damn it, maybe I really have confused it with this advert. Yeah, okay.
0: Fair enough. Even if you gave me a whole year, I don't think I could do much better.
1: So, your point's fair. Okay, you know what? Talking about the language... Did you you meet many of the Japanese characters in this game? No, I did not. Because I can't decide whether this is okay... Or whether this is just like lazy racist characterization. Like Yorinobu Arasaka, who ends up being the CEO of Arasaka Corporation. And, you know, he's obviously, he must be a rich, well educated guy. You know, he's like the son of, he was the son, and now he's the CEO of a megacorp that controls the world, you know, or one of the megacorps that controls the world. And yet his English is just like bad grammar, you know lol Japanese person, English. You know, in the end he's like, I have tried everything, nothing else remain. You know, it's like, that's just bad grammar. Why are you talking like this? I'm not even gonna try and do a faux Japanese English accent. Or, 50 years ago, terrorists blow this building to smoke. What'd it give us? I learned lesson. If planting bombs is not enough, what can you do? You become bomb. It's just like, wait, what? You're an educated guy. Why do you talk like this?
0: His first language is Japanese. But then where, where's the AI translation? Where's he...
1: Why is he talking to his yeah, wh- Why is he talking to you in English? You're right. It'd be better if he talked to you in Japanese and it had the perfect translation. I don't know. It just... Yeah. I don't know. It just surprised me that, like, is, is having Japanese people talking broken English acceptable? Why is that an acceptable characterization these days? If you had a French person talking in broken English, would that be okay? In a game? Less so. You know, like because th- I think there's like I I don't really know, there's the character Hellman, for example, and I think he's got he's got some European accent of some sort, but his his English is perfect. But Europe is So much why more is Yoronobu Arasaka's English not perfect?
0: Because the UK is in Europe. Oh no, it's not. <laughs>
1: We're still in Europe. We just left the EU. Quiz of the, no,
0: but the UK and Europe. I mean, much closer proximity, if you know what I mean. Now, is it? Well, UK is in Europe. That's the difference, right?
1: No, no, I feel no, no, like I, no, no, no. okay. I, I do, you know I, I do get right that in Japan, people just speak Japanese because, of course, they do it right. And so, yes, stereotypically, people in Japan speak worse English than people in Europe, for example. But what? why, I don't know, is it still like lazy characterization to have someone in a video game talking bad English deliberately? You know, like if you were to make a, a video game of, of me and I'm a Chinese character, would I have to speak bad English to reinforce the fact that I'm Chinese? You would tell me how Chinese you are. I just think it's rude. You You very rarely see... Asian characters talk in perfect English. I think. I think it's acceptable personally. I just thought it was funny. I don't know. For some reason, for some reason, I really noticed it this time. Also, it's probably because Yorinobu was wearing this totally WTF dressing gown. Like, you walk in the room, and he is like partially naked, lying on the floor. Wearing this dressing gown, and the dressing gown is like twenty feet long. It's like
0: I don't even know. He doesn't, you know.
1: That's why he doesn't have to speak perfect English. Yeah, it's going to turn out it's some reference to like imperial Japan or something, and like maybe the emperors used to wear giant dressing gowns. I don't know. Sorry, I, I guess we w- we went a bit deep on that one. So that's
0: what we're missing currently in this world of video game characters. We haven't got a. What are you looking for? An Asian character that speaks perfect English.
1: Yeah, I just think it, I think it's kind of rare, right? It's true. Well, I did read something about the cyberpunk pen and paper setting actually being quite racially segregated. So, I don't know, maybe this is being true to the PNP game again. Because, you know, I, I really know very little about it. I, I suppose a lot of the characters actually do have some, like... Well, they're kind of... Like, Jackie is also kind of a caricature, right? I say caricature. You know, he's dropping in lots of phrases and stuff that aren't in English, too. And then... I kind of felt like I didn't know Jackie... Like, I did like Jackie as a character. Like, I I liked that montage at the start of the game. But I didn't feel that sad when he died. No. Nor did I. Because you just genuinely don't know him that well.
0: It's interesting, because... I don't think I really appreciated the relationship between Jackie and V till you you
1: talked about it today. Yeah, because they really make a big deal of it at, you know, other points. You know, there's a bit where in the bar you order a Johnny Silverhand because, you know, in the afterlife, if you die, they name a drink after you. And so, like, there's a bit where you can go to the afterlife and you can talk to the bartender, And you can get them to make, you know, name a drink after Jackie. It's like, oh, I want a Jackie Wells. There are several parts in the story where they make a big deal about how V misses Jackie or feels bad that Jackie died. But I feel like you as the player didn't get enough of a chance to know Jackie to care that much about him. Should we talk about the endings? Yeah. Let's finish up with that.
0: How do they work? I mean,
1: everyone has talked about the default ending. Yeah, and I mentioned it earlier. I thought the endings were actually really good. So, yeah, I think think there's an ending where you just commit suicide. You just shoot yourself in the head again. I say again, you seem to get shot in the head a lot in this game and survive it. But obviously this one you don't survive because it's an ending. But I didn't try that. If you just mainline the story, yeah, you can commit suicide or you can accept Hanako Arasaka's offer. So that's one. If you complete Panam's side quest storyline, then you get the option of calling her up and having the Aldecados, like this Nomad family, help you. And yeah, so Hanako's offer is to expose what Yorinobu did and take control of Arasaka Corporation. And then she'll help you. The other endings, you are trying to break into the corporation headquarters and get access to a Mikoshi with Alt. So yeah, the Nomads can help you do it. And it's cool, you know, you like, you're in a hover tank and you drive it through a maglev tunnel and then you get a tunnel boring machine and drill into the basement of Arasaka Tower. It's pretty badass. Or The other major ending... You give control of your body to Johnny... Johnny goes to the afterlife... And is like... Hey Rogue... I need a favour... We need to save V... And... Yeah, like Rogue... Burns all her bridges and calls in all her favours... And the two of you... Just like old times... Attack Arasaka Tower... Again... And it goes only slightly better than the last time... But again, it's really cool... You hack a com satellite alt well alt hacks a com satellite and pulls it out of orbit and you get to see it like falling out of the sky as your dropship is approaching the tower and then you like smash into the tower halfway through and like drop down with like levitation boots into a jungle and then jump through the central core of the tower and you're fighting off security again it's pretty badass and then there's a secret ending which I didn't actually try. But I think I did meet the requirements for it. It's just supposed to be really hard. So I think you can basically just decide to attack Arasaka Tower through the front door on your own. But I didn't try that. It's supposed to be really, really hard. Which is your ending? So the one I picked first. I gave Johnny control of my body. And him and Rogue assaulted the tower. And then Rogue dies in the assault. She's killed by Adam Smasher. He's a major character too. He shows up in the flashback with Johnny. And yeah, then you have to defeat... Adam Smasher is basically the final boss of the game. Whichever path you choose. And then you can choose whether to let him live or just shoot him in the head with Rogue's gun. And then you get to the Mikoshi Chamber and... For the Pan Am and Johnny choices, you actually get another choice, which is who gets to stay in the body. So, you know, whichever ending you choose, the final twist is they can fix your mind. Like they can. It's actually kind of nuts. They use Soul Killer on you to read your personality, like your your mind, into Mikoshi. Then they wipe your body they separate, in Mikoshi, your mind from Johnny's, and they write just one mind back to the body. But the other thing the relic did was change the body to be fit for Johnny's... for for Johnny. So if you write V's mind back to the body, you've only got six months to live. But if you write Johnny's mind back in, he gets to live out a normal life. So the last choice is... Do you stay in your body with only six months to go, or do you give the body to Johnny? And actually, if you pick the Arasaka ending, there's no option to give the body to Johnny. It's just, do you leave the space station with six months to live, or do you agree just to be stored in Mikoshi indefinitely until they can find you a compatible body?
0: Just hearing you explain all this, it sounds like you're satisfied with all these stories, you're not pointing out how ridiculous, or broken, or
1: offensive these endings are. Yeah, i I liked it. I thought it was clever and good. Like, I the whole six months to live and your immune system attacking your neurons if it's you, but not Johnny. I mean, that was kind of far fetched, but I was willing to accept it because there's just so much other bonkers stuff in this game. I, I thought the actual overall story arc and the writing that was good you know and there's all these themes of death rebirth you know what are you are you your mind is you know when they when they read your engram into mikoshi is something lost what happens to your soul or you know second chances you know what does johnny do with your body if you give your body to him it's good i mean it's it's really good and then after you finish the game whatever ending you pick you actually get a really long epilogue There's like another time skip and you get to play out like your life after the ending. So, you know, if you keep your body for the Johnny ending, then you become like the number one solo and fixer in Night City. And you do like one last gig where you're trying to rob this space casino. And it's kind of implied that the resources you get from that, they might be able to find a cure. Like they might be able to find you another body or something. Or if you go with the nomads again, you drive off into the sunset with Pan Am, and it's kind of implied that the nomads are gonna call in their favors and see if they can find a cure for you as well. If you take the Arasaka ending, that one's kind of depressing. But there's a really cool moment in it where Hellman says to you, you know, of of Urinobu. So you've just seen Yorinobu defeated and you're getting into the lift and you're, you know, you're about to leave him with Hanako and, and Hellman says you spend your whole life fighting something only to become that thing quite literally and at the time you don't quite know what he's referring to but you know Yorinobu was rebelling against his father and you know he killed his father to take control of, of Arasaka Corp and you know he and he was rebellious even before then you know he didn't agree with the way his father was doing things and in the epilogue scene when you're on the space station you you're watching the news and you learn that saburo arasaka has been resurrected he's back to life in yorinobu's body you know and and the news is saying like oh yorinobu loved his father so much he decided to sacrifice himself to give his father another chance at life which obviously you know is not true You know, because he murdered his father. So, he's obviously been soul-killed and had Saburo's personality overwritten into his body. So, that's what they mean. Like, he's become the thing he was fighting against. Quite literally, he's become Saburo Arasaka. And he's dead. Like, his mind is gone. It's terrible. But it's like, you know, what is a person?
0: That's very cool.
1: Yeah, even the Johnny ending is really, it's really, is very melancholy. It makes you, it actually makes you feel like, oh, maybe Johnny was the main character all along. You know, like Johnny, Johnny decides to live a quiet life and leave Night City. You know, this is what he does with his second chance. In his first life, he was this mad rocker boy, and he nukes the headquarters and dies. And in his second life, he's given the second chance. He decides he's just going to leave and live a simple life. And you get to see him like place a memorial to well, to V and to Rogue. You know, he leaves he leaves the bullet that V was shot with. He leaves Rogue's gun just to remember them by. And then he leaves Night City. Shall we bring it to a close? Yeah, I'm just thinking if there's anything else I should say about the the endings. (sighs) Maybe you should watch them on YouTube if you're not going to finish the game. But then again, maybe if you didn't play enough of the game, they'll mean nothing to you. But, yeah. The endings of the game, good and satisfying and different. Unlike, say, a Deus Ex, where you get a random choice at the end and it's pretty much the same. You know, these were These were very distinctly different endings with a very satisfying epilogue attached. Or did you think of it? It's. It's like 80% of an incredible game. What's the 20% that's missing? I don't know. Like. Magic spice, special sauce, just. Just something. Okay, so. So all the elements are there,
0: it just needs to be polished?
1: No, no. It's cool. like. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what's missing. But you can't say eighty
0: percent of an incredible game, and then just say, and then that be it.
1: No, but that's the thing, right? What is in this game? You know, the hype for this game was unreal. It was like it was. It I guess it was like impossible to live up to the to the standards that they were projecting. But it's. I, I, this is going to sound bad, but it's just a competently executed FPS RPG. I don't think there's anything in here that's like, wow, I've never seen that before. It's like, it's like, they literally had a list of everything an amazing AAA 95 or Metacritic game used to have and just ticked all those boxes. But there's nothing more you know, it's it's well done, but it's not a groundbreaking, genre-defining, iconic game. I mean, there, it's but there are flashes of it. Like you know, there are times when it feels like it gets close. Like the endings are amazing, the way that's been done, and you know that <laughs> that time skip after the life path bit, those six months where you're supposed to be becoming best friends with Jackie. Like, that scene, again, is, like, an amazing montage and really makes you feel like, wow, Night City is this amazing place. But so much of the game itself is, it's not bad. It's, it's good, but it's, it's just good. I mean, I haven't played The Witcher, so I don't know how this compares to that. Because I know a lot of people talk about The Witcher 3 as being, you know, like, one of the greatest RPGs of all time. And I don't know if how you know I don't know how this feels compared to that. I know they're completely different games, but like I don't know if that's you know, does the witcher have that special something, and this doesn't
0: so Mike, I know you try to categorize
1: what kind of game this is. I think we've both just been comparing it a lot to other games this This is something where I wasn't sure what to say about it in the end, like it's yeah, what is this game? I would say it's not an immersive sim. It's not systemic enough to be an immersive sim. And that means it's basically a first-person RPG. You know, it's an FPS RPG. It's somewhere between Skyrim in a city and GTA 5 if it was meant to be played from first person. But, you know, that itself is a kind of a reductive Thing to say, it it doesn't have to be either of those games, you know. It it is itself an FPS RPG, but you know there isn't a genre of Skyrim likes necessarily, is there? Maybe Bethesda. There is Bethesda RPG. Bethesda RPG. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, maybe it's a Bethesda RPG. I don't know.
0: My comment was that everything is so flimsy. I think that's what exactly what a Bethesda RPG is. Can you elaborate? So mechanically, everything doesn't sit tightly. So the gunplay isn't, can't be trusted. The stealth can't be trusted. I would agree with those statements, yes. Everything is slightly loose, floaty, flimsy. But that's only from a mechanics perspective. The world building is still
1: very impressive. I wanted to make some point about... You know, a difference in degree versus a difference in kind. Because, again, perhaps unfairly, I was hoping that this game would be something else. Like, you know, a difference in kind versus a Bethesda RPG. But in the end, yeah, maybe it's just a difference in degree. You know, what would it take... For this game to be something new for this game to be beyond a flimsy Bethesda RPG you know like we we talked about the systems all being a bit wonky if if everything worked perfectly would that be enough yes or is it more than that is there surprise like I feel like there were things that were hinted at or hyped that you know maybe could have elevated it you know because when you have enough differences in degree, I think things do become something new. You know, like they. I think at one point you were meant to be able to run on the walls of mantis blades. I mean, that's just one mechanic. I'm not saying that would have been enough, but you know, if if you had that freedom, the world was that crazy, and you could just do stuff like that, and it all worked, like it all seamlessly gelled together, and things worked the way you'd expect if you really could run on the walls of mantis blades would that make the world real enough? You know, this cyberpunk city more real than, say, a Skyrim or a Fallout and it would become something new and different. I think that's what I was hoping for. And I think that's what it would have taken to be a 10 out of 10 game. I don't know if it'll ever get there. Or maybe if a sequel can get it there. A sequel could get it though, Because, you know, they do hint at stuff that's to come, like AI's breaking through the black wall, or a hot war between the corporations again. You know, maybe there'll be Cyberpunk 2078. I'm I'm sure they're not gonna throw this tech away, right? They are gonna well, they've got their roadmap, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna fix the bugs, they're gonna do some DLC, but at some point, they're gonna build on this experience they've made and Maybe it's still got that chance to become something more. Wait, multiplayer is coming. <laughs> Get your multiplayer out of my single-player RPG. I do you think? Oh, jeez. I, I suppose like they just looked at GTA online and they were like, "It prints money." Exactly. I'm who doesn't like it? But and who doesn't want to print money? Yeah. Imagine if they made a Battle Royale mode, then I'd be all for it. 150 of you in Night City. Last one standing. That could be incredible. That would be incredible. I don't know, man. (laughs) I'm just thinking Mass Effect 3. You know, that game did not need multiplayer. And I'm not sure this one needs multiplayer either, but you're right. They are doing that, aren't they? I don't think multiplayer is what this game was missing. You know, I think it's things like there being no concept of stealing that they should be looking at. Um,
0: it surprises me how important stealing is to you.
1: How am I supposed to get that thrill of <laughs> nicking someone's stuff if they don't even care?
0: You should make a game about stealing. It's been done. I did really like it, though. Thief. I did not miss stealing at all.
1: Yeah, you're too law-abiding.
0: I'm happy to take things and there be no consequences.
1: I guess that's fine, too. And we're done. And we're done. So what's the next book club game? The next book club game is a listener request. Michael Q. This one's for you. It's Death Stranding. Get your popcorn ready. we we'll are to be watching a lot of cutscenes. I found it funny that I was quite interested in playing Death Stranding. You were not interested at all. When this was requested of us, they said that they thought you would enjoy this game, and I wouldn't. <laughs> or at least they thought you'd enjoy this game more than me.
0: I'm going to enjoy setting up what I'm packing, how I'm going to pack it all in, and then walk. It's pure mechanics.
1: You see, You're going to be playing it for the amazing walking mechanics. I'm going to be playing it for the batshit story. Maybe there's something for both of us in here. I think so. I can't, I can't believe it's a literal walking simulator. But where they've gone really heavy on the simulation. Amazing.
0: I was talking to you about Snow Runner, Mud Runner, and how that would appeal to me. I think this would appeal to me also.
1: So you've come around. I'm, I'm definitely open-minded. So, for next time, Death Stranding. We were Lost Levels Club. We
0: still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can find us on email ting at lostlevels.club. On Twitter? At Lost Levels Club. On Twitch? As Lost Levels Club. Anywhere else? Reddit slash r slash Lost Club. So, Michael, what are you grateful for today?
1: I am grateful that my mum has had the coronavirus vaccine. She is now immune. She can go around licking lampposts. No. uh, But she's probably safer than she was. So, yay, progress. And the coronavirus numbers in the UK, they're below, or they're hovering around 10k. Maybe Hong Kong will open up flights again. So
0: Michael says bye. Bye bye.